Yeah, for those of you who don't know me, I've been here. I'm the guy who sings. I'm so sorry when it's loud. And um, it's so nice being in worship and not having to lead and just receive today. But I am so confident in a word God has brought to me today. I've been burdened by it all week. And uh, the enemy's been plaguing me, accusing me, saying, you're not good enough. And I say, I don't care. I am not good enough. But Christ is good enough and his word is good enough. Amen. So... So here, here we are, and for the next two hours, we'll be going through the end times. No, I'd like to introduce myself. Um, this is my wife over here, Sharice. My family, I can show you my family. There they are. Aren't they amazing? You know, what's a miracle? What's a miracle? And so the first, uh, one of the, the first miracle is that I, I got the, this wonderful uh, person to marry me. <clears throat> Uh, more about that in a minute. Uh, then yesterday was Nova's Gotcha Day. It's the day we brought Nova home four years ago. And today, four years ago, we were driving home, uh, become, having become parents and family of Nova. This, where's my, my first daughter this year? She's beautiful. Her name is Nova. And then, so, so those are the miracles in my life. Today we're going to talk about the miracles a little bit. And, um, but I wanted to show you one of the biggest miracles ever. Can we have that last photo up? Okay, it's like, it's like a pair of hands grew a human being. Look how terrified I am playing that instrument. You know, sh- please take it away. Terror in my face. If only I knew, if I kept playing that instrument, God's going to ask me to do something for him. <laughs> and here we are. And that person uh, met this person. And I don't, know, I don't know how that all happened, but praise God for his grace. Uh, thank you for marrying me. But today, I bring good news. I bring good news. God is eager to work today. Do you know that? He's eager to work every day. Isaiah 64 verse 4 is the first scripture. I'd like you to see it. To create some expectation on your behalf today. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You know that God is eager to act on your behalf. Often we think, nah, I don't think God really wants to work for There's something in the way. God is eager. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it's not on the screen, also says, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. What no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Amen? God has something prepared for you today. God made an appointment with you today. Busy week, hustle and bustle. You're distracted. Some of you come in here disappointed, maybe even defeated. But God asked me not to waste your time today and not to waste His. He's given me a very specific task today and it's to answer one question. How can you and I be glad? How can you and I be glad? Do you want to be glad? Exceedingly glad. How can we be exceedingly glad when life is hard. It's maybe a bit easier when life is soft. <laughs> yeah. I believe that there is more joy, more gladness, and more satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ than in any other thing this world or any person could ever offer. In fact, earthly pleasures are so dull in the light of the glory of the grace of Jesus Christ and in the salvation we find in Him. So, 
Today's message title is called um, When You Forgot What You Had For Dinner By The Time It's Breakfast. You ever done that? You ever forgot what you had for breakfast by the time it's lunch? <laughs> How do we do that? You know, what, what happened yesterday? You know, what day is it even? <laughs> but there's a spiritual principle in this. And uh, for that, I'd like for us to turn to Mark 6. And we're going to start in verse 32. I'm going to read the entire story, okay, of the feeding of the 5,000. This is one of the instances where there were 5,000 people fed. Now, it says 5,000 men. How they used to count is they used to count families. Okay, ladies, don't feel excluded. They were just counting families because a husband represented a family. So it's a better way to count families. I said, well, 5,000 families. So you can imagine, there's about 20,000 people in this story. Uh, if you want to, you know, try and do some maths. So let's start. We're going to read the story, Mark 6, uh, verse 32 to 52. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He's doing a sermon series. Yeah, that's what he was doing. He started teaching them many, many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Now, I asked George um, what the Greek is for that very late. And he said, it means, I said, what does very late mean in Greek? He said, the shops are closed. So, I don't know. Spa is closing, something like that. Uh, I don't know if he was joking. Maybe it's true. Um, so how's this? Jesus says, um, so not Jesus says, sorry. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside. This is the disciples talking now. They're telling Jesus what to do. Hey, hey, listen, hold up. Nice sermon and all, but the people are getting hungry. Send them to the villages and, and so they can buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Imagine the little meeting they had. Hey, guys, listen. Let's tell him, let's tell Jesus the people are hungry. Okay, he likes them. And, and then they go, Jesus, please. Uh, the people are hungry. And then he says, you, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, they would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend much, that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, <laughs> when they found out, they said, I think they started arguing amongst each other. Maybe, who's going to tell Jesus that there's only five loaves and two fish? Why don't you tell him there's only five loaves and two fish and then he can wrap this whole thing up, you know, and we can all go home. Let's tell him, this is all we've got. John, you go. John, you go. He likes you, and you just hug him, and everything will be fine. And, he, and we just go home. Please, man, we're getting hungry. It's getting cold. John And John's like, no, 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 no. no. John's like, he does not want to have his 2IC position that he's busy performing his way into undermined. He doesn't want to disappoint Jesus. He says, be the good boy. Like, Peter, Peter, you know all the things. You know, you know all the things. Don't you want to go? Peter's like, I don't even like fish. I'm on a strict chicken diet at the moment. And he was quite happy by the fire. He's like, don't put me away from here. And then they asked Thomas, no, Thomas, please, can you go? He's just counting the fish. He's goes like, I can't believe this. I have to see this. He says, is this all that there is? And then they looked to Judas and Judas is like, 
And I think we should tell him that there are only three loaves and one fish. That way we get to keep some for ourselves also. And Judas also there on the abacus. Check, check, check. 20,000 people. He's doing his calcs there. 20,000 times 39.99 for Big Mac Media, MacMeal. Plus 10% handling fee, maybe. Plus 15% for miscellaneous. Plus 5% for sundry items. Stationary, 5%. Yeah, this is a million bucks, guys. I don't, we don't have that much. <laughs> we don't have that much. Ah, oh, yes. Some of us are still looking to perform our way into Jesus' hearts like John. Some of us are still acquiring a taste for other things and avoiding Jesus like Peter. Some of us still doubting God will act like Thomas, waiting to see in order to believe instead of believing in order to see. And no one here is like Judas, keeping for ourselves first, just in case there isn't enough. Sorry, man. Let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. Then um, verse 39. Can we go to verse 39? After they said there are five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever worked with people? Are there any teachers here? Yeah? Teachers, is it easy to get even a, one group of children to sit down? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, have you, this must not have been easy. I just, so what I'm trying to do is just, can you, can you, can we step into the story a little bit, you know, and just feel like, what would it have been like if you were there and I was there? Often we want to bring the story into our place and time uh, in, from the Bible. But what we should do first is put ourselves in their place and time and go, what was it like being here? So I imagine myself being one of the disciples. So they, take, they sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And verse 40, 41 says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Now imagine a Peter. He knows what's going on now. If, if you were a young Hebrew man, then you would have seen something like this in the scriptures before. Now the young Hebrew boys and young Hebrew men, they're very, very well studied in the Old Testament. There's a place where Elisha in Second Kings actually fed a hundred men with only a few loaves of bread. So that's another instance in the Bible where, this, where it's sort of a foreshadowing of something Jesus is busy with. So Peter's like, ah, oh, give me one of those loaves. Give me, give me one of those loaves. And he takes it to Jesus. And he's like, ah, check, check guys. I know what he's going to do now. It's gonna, he's going to do the Elisha thing. It probably grows or something. And he gives it to Jesus and Jesus takes it. The one loaf he got from Peter, he breaks it in half and gives half back to Peter. And he says, go feed them. Imagine you're Peter. Are you sure you're done play, praying, God? Are you, you want to bless it some more or something? He's like, no, go. And now they're in groups of 15. So they go. He's like, okay, I'll take this half loaf, go to the first group of 50. And, and I know exactly what Peter would have said. He starts and he goes, Take just a tiny little bit. Tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit. Take just a tiny bit. 
Not such a big bite, man. It's a tiny bit, tiny bit. He comes to the end of the row and it's not finished. Tiny bit, tiny bit, tiny bit. You see, what a, Hebrew, a young Hebrew boy or a young Hebrew man would have thought is that Jesus is now this new Elisha guy. He's like Elisha. Let's build him a temple here up on the mountain. He's like the new cool guy to follow, the new prophet. But what Jesus was doing in the story of Elisha, there's a man who came from a place called Baal Shalisha. Okay, don't have to worry. But what that name means is a man came who was Lord of the Trinity. And that man gave Elisha the bread and Elisha spread, made the bread work. What the disciples were thinking was, Jesus is Elisha and they're just some people. But in fact, Jesus was the man from the Trinity and he gave the bread to the new Elishas, you and me. So he took it, he broke it, he blesses it, he gives it to you and me. Where does the miracle happen? In whose hands does the miracle happen? In, yeah? It's happening in their hands. And we trust him a little bit, little bit. We trust him, we trust him, we trust him, little bit, little bit. They ate and all were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, a doggy bag for each of them. Yeah? The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, 45, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, uh, he went up the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. You can see this picture, disciples, middle of the night on a boat, Jesus somewhere on land. He was about to pass by them. Oh, sorry, uh, verse 48. The disciples, uh, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. You ever feel like everything's just against you? Jesus sees it. Jesus sees it. Shortly before the dawn, he went out to them. So now it's, previous night was supper. Supper was a miracle. Now we're getting to the dawn. It's getting breakfast time now. Uh, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Ah! Like that boy Michael stood on. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified immediately he spoke to them take courage it is I don't be afraid then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down they were completely amazed for they had not understood or considered the miracle of the loaves their hearts were hardened. The King James says, they had not considered the miracle of the loaves. Part one of what I wanted to talk to you today about is at dinner. Terms and conditions for miracles. Now I see all of you like, ooh, he's going to tell me how I can get a miracle. This guy's brave. Put your pens away. <laughs> 
Because we think um, we do something in order to get it, isn't it? Or we don't. Firstly, in this miracle story, the first part, dinner, no one is excluded on the basis of number. If there were 5,001, they would have eaten. 5,001. Jesus did not say, I will feed 500 and the rest they my starve. Yeah. But from the compassion in the heart of Christ, because of the greatness of their number and the direness of their hunger, he was moved to come forward and supply them all. Grace supplies to all. No one is excluded. Not that family member you're praying for, or not you today. No one is excluded on the basis of number. You think you are not counted in for a miracle and for the supply of the grace and the goodness of God. And you hear so many stories, you hear testimonies, and, and you think, surely not for me, it's too good to be true, or maybe it's just, you know, not for me. Yet you play lotto. Anyway. <laughs> maybe, you know, you count yourself out. But today I want to tell you that grace supplies to all. No one is excluded on the basis of the number. No one is excluded on the basis of merit. That's the second one. No work is required. He doesn't wait for you to be deserving enough of a miracle. You wait for him, trusting that he knows your need. Even the loafers got loaves on that day. Conversely, <laughs> thanks. Conversely, he did not say the most holy 50. Only God loves. Only those people who stand like this in worship. Hallelujah. You know those people. I, I can't even be that people. Not everyone. No one was excluded on the basis of merit. No one was excluded, thirdly, on the basis of their contribution. It's all grace. No one had their own loaf to contribute. Hey, Jesus, I just want to bring my own bit. Some of you think maybe what happened was they eventually found out that all of them had food there. No, the miracle was happening in their hands. No one had some fish to contribute to the master. They were all hungry, but no one could even produce a crust. And the Lord neither asked them to contribute it. Nor did he send them away because they didn't have anything. No one is excluded on the basis of contribution. You are not excluded from God's eagerness to work on your behalf. What we read in Isaiah 64 is that he's eager to work on your behalf. You are not excluded. God is eager to work on your behalf. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So what's the condition then? How do I... How do I get a miracle? Come on, Vince, tell me. The fourth one. The only condition was hunger. Are you eager to see him work? Just a tiny bit. Let's fast forward to breakfast. At breakfast. Did you see what happened? I wanted to tell you that if you miss the miracle behind you, you'll have no hope for what lies before you. Verse 48 says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And in verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. What is happening here? It's the next day. Now they put into this verse, the verse from, what was the house? 
And I used to think, are they scratching their heads going, I don't understand what happened yesterday. What the word is saying, they did not consider it. They did not consider it. And their hardness of heart must not be confused for calloused hatred. It's just a hardening of the heart. You can't see it. Although they had seen his power feeding the 5,000, they did not understand that the same power was still available to help them the very next morning. <laughs> Forgot what they had for dinner, for its breakfast. If you miss the miracle behind you, you'll have no hope for what lies before you. You'll be hopeless and hardened. If you miss the miracle in your last season, it will diminish what you believe God can do in the next. Some miracles are staring you right in the face. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to get that job or to get you out of that situation or to get you connected to that person. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to get your strength back, get you strong again. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to be the first person to finish school and go to university in your family to help a person to forgive you or for you to forgive somebody, to supply what you needed when you needed it. Grace has always been all sufficient for you every single day. Yet we forget. Amen. If you want to keep seeing God move and do miracles, we got to get up and praise Him for what He is doing and already did. Amen. Revival hinges on our hunger. Our expectation and its anticipation of a God who works miracles. You know, I'd be wasting my time if I didn't think God's still doing it today. I shouldn't be here then. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, we are wasting our time. But he did. And he changed my life forever. So what is the central question here? Do you have a hardened heart? They considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Have you forgotten to consider some of the loaves? Have you been disappoint, disappointed in the way some things have worked out? You feel defeated and deflated this week. You don't know what's going on. And it's one thing after the other. You have a sense of being empty. You read your Bible. You just don't get a lot out of it anymore. Maybe you have a hardening heart. Do you hear messages and see other people get excited in worship? Get excited for His Word? just doesn't move you like it used to, you could maybe just have a hardening heart. You find yourself uninterested in being with other believers. You see the small groups and the alpha thing announcements. You're like, yeah, whatever. You might just have a hardening heart. You feel like a fraud sometimes in worship or you're that person who you don't, you don't even want to be in the worship part because you don't want to be confronted with that intimacy with God. You see other people crying and other people getting blessed and, and you either think they must be fake or they're just emotional or you think I could never have that. You might just have a hardening heart. You blame everybody else for the dysfunction that's in your life and you won't own it and you even sometimes blame somebody who isn't here anymore. Your boss, you blame your pastor, you blame your mom, you blame somebody, everybody but yourself. And never get out of your own dysfunction playing the blame game. You struggle to pray with your spouse or with a friend or to talk about things. And the job that you got eight years ago, 
That was a miracle in the moment you loathe getting up for now. Serving a church could even become something that we consider not the loaves. And your life shrinks down to the size of your problems, forgetting the magnitude of your God at dinner time. Don't let your life shrink down to the size of your problems. Church, this is a spiritual emergency. You have a sniffle, you run to the pharmacy. If you have a hardening heart, just the smallest little of stones starting to solidify in your heart, you run to the Father. You run to the Father. But they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Hard hearts and painful unbelief spring up in the graves where we bury our forgotten mercies. Remember that since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he did once is an example for something he's prepared to do again. It's an emergency. Consider the loaves. Consider the loaves. If the disciples considered the loaves, they would have known very deeply that Jesus was extraordinary in emergencies. 5,000 men. They didn't even have to ask. Jesus thought about it. God is busy solving problems in your life that you don't even know exist yet. Hey, some of them didn't even know they were hungry. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I should eat now. Eh? <laughs> don't be afraid. What needs has he not supplied to me? I can't count one. He supplied every need up until this moment, so I will not be afraid. Consider the miracle of the loaves. So my question today is, as we... We'll wrap up in a minute or two. I hear the children are having a great time back there. Yeah? Don't worry. Uh, they'll be okay. <laughs> Part three. So we were at dinner. Then we were at breakfast. And I want to ask, what's hiding in your heart? What are you hiding in your heart? Because what you hide in your heart is what holds your hope. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The hardening of your heart is a function of what you're holding and hiding in your heart. On Thursday night, my daughter, who's here, my youngest daughter, Vida, she was coughing so badly, even last night and the night before. Sharice was busy working. She had a deadline and I was busy preparing and I thought we both needed a good night's rest. Her coughing was starting to hurt her so much. She, she's crying and the crying then makes everything worse. And while I was lying in bed listening to this happening, I could just feel my heart get hard. My inner dialogue going on saying, oh Lord, please not again. She's been sick since February. Why? Why now? Why would I need the rest? Why would my wife need the rest? This is one thing after another. Two Thursdays ago, it was the dog and the dog's ear. I had to take it to the vet. That cost a lot of money. And before that, it was the chair incident. I won't tell you about the chair incident. <sighs> And on top of that, while I was lying there, the entire list of things I'm considering hardening my heart about comes up. They're all hiding in there, aren't they? Waiting. Waiting. To turn your heart back into stone. From the heart of flesh, we were promised in Ezekiel 36. Hiding in my heart are all the pessimistic voices, the past disappointments and failures and letdowns that you're thinking about. They're hiding right there ready to build a nice rock feature in your heart, making it cold and unforgiving. 
So I went to lie by my daughter and she likes it to feel your, my, her, your, her head pressing against yours. So I went to lie by her and you know, I thank God for the Holy Spirit because from when I was young, I've been hiding His Word in my heart. And while lying there, I thought of this line that I'm preaching to you today. For they considered not the loaves. Their heart was hardened. And I thought, I should, I'm so sorry, Lord. And I started to consider the loaves. Vida herself a miracle after 10 years of not being able to conceive. I considered the loaves. Earlier that night, an awesome family in our church blessed us with dinner. The children's favorite. They didn't have to do that. I even considered that loaf. I considered how God healed my lung pain. I considered the loaf of rain as it fell on, outside on, on Thursday. I considered the miracle of an anonymous person on this very stage seven years ago, handing me an instrument that was my dream instrument. I just considered the loaves. I considered the miracle loaf of deliverance God sent me in 2012, delivering me from shame and torment. I considered how I thought I was done in 2011, but God said that He's doing a new thing with me and He woke me up again. I started to consider the loaves of God's faithfulness in 1998 to my family. In the year 2007, when He started to pour a songwriting gift into me, I considered the loaves I consider the loaves of God's provision over all of you for 2020 and 2021. Here you are. Struck down even, but not destroyed. Defeated, but not abandoned. I started to consider the miracles of the loaves of His providence in sending a blonde Bursian to a small town called Utenag in 1991 to come and tell the world in 2022 to consider the greatest and most miraculous of loaves ever that hung on a tree, broken for me, the miracle of the loaf of grace, beaten and rent for me, heaven's bread ripped apart so that I could be filled to satisfaction. That I could feel my hardening heart start to melt like wax in my chest as I gaze upon him upon whom I have pierced. Lying there with my daughter asleep, tears running down my eyes like a leaking gutter. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. Remember the loaves. Remember the loaves. The miracle of heaven's body broken for us. Remember the loaf of Christ, the living Christ broken. Seen then after he was broken, walking the stormy seas and saying, do not get a, be afraid as he climbs into our boat of humanity and says, do not fear, I'm with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. I do not forget His faithfulness. Consider the miracle of the loaves and you will have hope inexhaustible, joy indestructible and peace everlasting. This is what it means to overcome by the word of your testimony, the loaves you saw at dinner and the blood of the Lamb. That's what it means to overcome. Nesta, would you mind joining me a little bit? I'm going to wrap up now. I'm so sorry I'm taking... How's the time? I don't know. This is a normal thing to ask here, isn't it? <laughs> Consider the loaves and you'll walk expectantly with childlike faith. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He will satisfy you with every good thing. He will withhold no good thing from you who walk upright. 
Blessed are you in sowing. Blessed are you in reaping and your coming and your going. Consider the loaves. How can you be glad? How can you be glad? Consider the loaves. Psalm 92 verse 4 says, For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Consider the loaves. Don't forget what you've had for dinner by the time it's breakfast. Because if you do, tiny little stones. Vida brought me a stone for some reason just before I came on. I don't know. Become stony. Little stones will form in your hearts. But if you want a heart set free and set up and glad no matter what, consider the loaves of his faithfulness. Consider the loaves of his faithfulness. Can we stand together? Consider the loaves of his faithfulness. On the 20th of March, I stood here for an encounter worship night. Right here. And it was 6 p.m. And from about 2 o'clock that day and about two months before it, and even continuing after a little bit, I was having severe panic attacks. I don't know if you could see it. Um, but I felt like I was going to die, I'll be honest. <laughs> and it would last for hours. And I stood here. And my heart was becoming harder and harder, thinking, God, why? Why? What's going on? And I, and I couldn't even... I thought, why, why do I even sing if I, don't, if I don't feel like and believe and trust? Now you can break this thing. And the panic attacks were getting so intense that at one point here, I couldn't sing. And I said to myself, lift up your head and continue to worship. He will make me glad. And I started to recall. And I looked down at my guitar, which was a miracle in itself. And all I needed to know was just to remember the loaves. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun till the setting, same I will praise your name. God, if you remember the laws, great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun till the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. So I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the... We got to trust Him. My hope and firm foundation, He'll
Jesus. He's my anchor to the ground. He's my hope and firm foundation. faithfulness is great Lord yes Lord we consider your faithfulness your word that says that you'll give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak Lord even we even youths do not grow tired and weary young men do not stumble and fall for those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint father we thank you that you give exactly what we need we are not discounted because of number because of merits because of contribution we are included because you are good teach us to consider the loaves teach us to consider the loaves to remember your faithfulness in jesus perfect name we pray amen 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 father's house now